All right, another episode, and today we have Elijah Plape. All right, Plape. I got it right. Okay. <laughs> uh, he knows his dedication time. What would you like to dedicate this episode to? Uh, I'll go ahead and dedicate this episode to the Father Project. It's a nonprofit uh, in Minneapolis that helps men get father, you know, like uh, parent parenting classes, you know, classes on how to get jobs, things like that. Just helps them be better fathers so they can kind of break the cycle of if your dad wasn't around. How do you know how to parent when you become when you become right. a father? How'd you find it sound? How'd you find it, become familiar with it? Yeah, so a uh, family member of mine uh, went through the program, and then he's now what you call um, a citizen father. So that's okay. that's kind of when you become like a more mentor role. Right. Um, so wow. shout out Damien. He and I did a documentary together about it a few years ago. Okay, right. Um, we'll put the link down below if they have one. Yeah. Uh, to share it with everybody. So. Wonderful. I like that dedication. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the St. Paul Filmcast with your host, Nick Palatichuk. Each episode, Nick interviews filmmakers and other artists from the Twin Cities area. I'm Carly Palillo, and thanks for listening, and thanks for finding us. Please give us a review, and feel free to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And now, lights, camera, all right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Today we have Elijah Pleep. 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 You're so close. Pleep. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but people butcher my name all the time. It happens. Right. I, two vowels next to each other, what are you going to do? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, Elijah just finished, um, well, not necessarily finished, but um, is releasing his latest film. Is it, we would call it the latest film, Buttons? Yeah. Okay, but this is not your... First film, we talked about that before we begin the show. We've right. done many others like documentaries here in Minneapolis and um, some other ones, uh, if I remember right, in different locations, some other short films. Yes, a lot of the short films that I've shot have been in Brooklyn, New York. That's where I went to film school. And right. uh, I went to Pratt Institute. They have a very like hands-on program, so you're making stuff first semester to your final year. And doing everything from... Yeah. photography to what yeah pa and all that stuff right yeah, you, yeah. so you're usually like uh kind of expected to direct your own thing for your finals for the class but as far as crewing up you're just kind of grabbing other students and other students are grabbing you okay so yeah it's it's, it's weird finals week was always crazy because you're working on your own final plus like four others so <laughs> you know <laughs> i get it i'm in the process of um getting an animation short film made and mm -hmm. i do have an animation crew they're in college and they're using the project as an internship but yeah they're like working nice. on ours and then because ours our short films can be about 10 minutes but still they're doing their own projects so they're constantly just animating the hell out of things yeah. right so we get immense <laughs> um and your latest film let's talk about it before we uh, go any further buttons buttons yes um it's a little bit um you said it made it a couple of years ago yes I, we shot it february 2022 yeah okay and I may ask, where was the location? So we shot almost all of it in Brooklyn. Uh, there's one scene that I ended up reshooting, um, and that was locally in, okay. in Minnesota, yeah. All right. All right. And then you kind of wrote it, directed it. Did you edit? I did I did edit it. All right. Start in it. Yeah. So Start kind of in a, it, right? Yeah. So um, if you want to just let us, our viewers know, what the hell is a button? Buttons about. Yeah. So uh, Buttons follows the character of Jack, and uh, he's celebrating one year of sobriety. Uh, he struggled with a heroin addiction. 
Um, but the unique thing about the film is that the fourth wall really doesn't exist. Um, from the very beginning of the film, he's talking to the audience and building up a relationship with them. Is that kind of the kernel of the project? Was under was or something when you made it like maybe we should break that or is that was part of the plan initially when developing? That was part of the plan initially. It kind of happened right. naturally because uh, two of the big influences that kind of got me rolling on the idea was Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. Yeah, I got. I was gonna. I'm gonna get a, spoil a little bit, bro. I got the sense of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, maybe the biggest influence on it, and then also the uh, Adult Swim show. Joe Para talks with you, so um, kind of this similar thing yeah. where he's talking to the audience a lot, um, and it's he also has kind of a very slow comedy, um, but his his show is a little bit more comedy focused than than Buttons is. Yeah. This is kind of uh, talking about addiction, but almost the aftermath of recognizing having a problem. This is not just the denial stage. This is the accepting that you are addicted and always going to be addicted and how you handle it. Right. Okay, yeah. It's, yeah. This is like a sobriety film. And and unfortunately, yeah. I think a lot of media uh, sobriety is like the end of it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's the achievement. And they don't ever talk about the fact that you're still that right. working at that when you have it. Well, I think the first thing they talk about when you go to addiction thing is you're not going to stop being addicted to heroin. You're not going to stop being addicted to alcohol. What you have to do is channel it away from that. Right. I think then the healthier thing is you're going to be addicted. Let's find something else to be addicted about, right? Yeah. Something, something more or less like that. Something healthier to be kind of obsessed with. And I think Jack becomes kind of entertaining the idea that he's going to be a in, uh, obsessed with music, classical music. Yeah, so that, that that definitely is a focus of of him. So essentially, in the writing process, what I did was, um, you know, I knew he had to be a character who is more than just his sobriety or just his struggle with addiction, because um, that's just not a full person. <laughs> you know, that's no, a pretty right. flat character. A lot of times, we just get those shallow characters. They're just addicted, and you have to, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. what else is there? But uh, so I just kind of wrote down. You know, what does he think about? You know, he's such a, he's kind of an idiosyncratic guy. He's just kind of out there. And so I was just kind of writing stuff down. And uh, classical music kind of came naturally. The um, sort of metaphor with zippers and buttons that happens in the movie literally just happened because I was like, I think he would notice the difference between those things and he would think about it. Almost be fixated on it. Yeah. Like, I, I think he just sort of like, you know, after sort of reclaiming his life a little bit, and then, you know, in in the film at at the point that we meet him, he really only has one relationship, and that's with his sponsor. Um, and so, you know, he kind of just has a lot of time to um, be sober and just kind of look at the world around him and appreciate things. You know, no matter how micro they are. One of the things I think you struck well with the development of this movie with the character of Jack, he's almost more cares more about the other people than himself you understand the addicted people more they're they're not gonna be the hero of their own story rather be the hero of somebody else's story yeah and that's the hardest thing i think about a lot of people who are addicts do want to heal yourself first and they almost feel like an apology of being existence as well and i think you get that sense with jack almost like he's sorry he's even you even talking about him yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that struck very well with a lot of people who deal with addictions they feel mm -hmm. almost like an apology that they're almost I'm you have to deal with me right yeah yeah because you know and and uh you know there's kind of a sharp turn because it's it's 
it starts off very kind of like with a sort of awkward humor to it, but it's very warm. And then when he yeah. has to finally tell the audience that that he he struggles with addiction, yeah. he just you can see how uncomfortable he is and and really feel it. And then yeah, like the the hero of other people's story, but like he's so very clearly the villain of his own in his own mind. Yep. In the way that he like later on in the film, he sort of ends up addressing the way that sometimes he kind of misses using heroin, which is a, a natural feeling for an addict to miss. They, I mean, they, they got addicted oh, God, to yeah. it for a reason. You know what I mean? So, Oh, God, I miss smoking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the whole thing with addiction is it's yeah. like you were doing it for a reason. So, you know, the film needed to address that without, you know, you know, without saying that there's any, like, benefit to doing something like heroin. But, you know, he, he misses it. He was doing it for a reason for a high. But, you know, at the same time addressing that it took basically everything away from him. There's a little more... Um is a little more truth to the character, a little more Jack with you? Um, you know, I guess me and Jack are pretty different as far as like temperaments and stuff go. Um, you know, I think everyone has some sort of relationship to addiction, whether it be yourself or people you know, and addiction to really anything, drugs, alcohol, gambling, you know, that there's you can really be addicted to anything. <laughs> so right. it's it everyone has experience with it, and I know I have um my own uh, experiences with it. So I just wanted to make sure it was cared for because I think it's pretty universal. Well, the only reason I ask is because you struck a lot of chords that I understand with person dealing with addiction. Yeah. You know, being overcompensating with generosity to the, the problem they have with other people. Like, right. uh, this is my buddy. You really want to shine a light on my buddy and this is my friend. And then he makes a mistake and he goes way overboard of compensating for his mistakes and everything and really um, and a hard time apologizing for his addictions and that's something i think struck's very very similar i don't think you won't get that unless you understand the field did you go to therapy sessions for this no like research no so so no a lot of it is like uh you know just speak with other people like that or things that i've seen things that i've experienced i think um uh one thing that I, i really benefit from as far as like the way my parents raised me um and my mom's been a social worker my whole life, but they've really... Oh, you're going to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. My but grandfather Listen, was she, she yeah. is for sure. I can tell you that much. But, oh. uh, uh, you know, I, one thing I think that they've really instilled in me is to see people. And I think that helps me as a writer, too. So, you know, if, if someone's right. talking to you, you know, uh, and if someone brings up a struggle or, or, you know, whatever that is that they want to talk about, you know, just try to see them for where they are, for where they're at. And uh, don't come from a place of judgment. Obviously, there's got to be some discernment. You know, if someone's being, you know, toxic or abusive, then, yeah, you got to step away. You got to get out. But as far as um, seeing someone and everyone's struggling with something, so, um, you know, just seeing them for who they are. I think that's helped me a lot as far as writing just in general. Uh, So how long do you take to kind of write it, even though it's kind of a short film? you got a lot of themes Mixing with their like buttons versus uh, zippers. Zippers, yeah. Um, the the yellow. I love the yellow. It's almost like a warning kind of a thing. Yeah, I like well yellow because that's our color theme for our show too. But right. On. Well, yeah. listen, the the yellow I can't take full credit for. Um, <laughs> my uh my my uh wardrobe and slash production designer. Um, All right. It, it was their idea because, um. You know, the cardigan thing was naturally a part of the film, like just through the script. And so I was just kind of sending pictures of 
uh, cardigans that I think might work. You know, I was like, do we want to do something that feels kind of grandpa-y and gives them kind of a funny vibe? You know, what do we want to, what do we want to do? Right. I wouldn't think I would have any more sympathy for him if he wore like a leather jacket, but a cardigan had that very Mr. Rogers, very intimate. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so I, I, you know, I, I was texting them pictures and, and they just text me back and they go, I think it should be yellow. And that was one of those suggestions where it wasn't even, uh, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, we should do that. It was more of a, oh, that's no, that's the correct decision. <laughs> uh, I was wrong. You're right. Like that's we're totally doing that. Um, so yeah, I can't can't take that credit. But it, you know, once once they said that, I yeah. I realized, uh, yeah, that's he needs a yellow card again. <laughs> With the, all of it is in the from the script in the movie, or did you do a lot of kind of ad-libbing, you know, kind of feeling it out, or did you really, really follow the script? We followed the script pretty closely, a couple of little ad-libs, um, right. I think in the scene with Winston. Um, I didn't, so there's a fight scene with his brother, and with Jack's brother Rodney, and then there's a scene... Um, with a, a stranger in a bathroom and both of those kind of exist in the background, but also not really the sound of it exists in the background. Yeah. Um, I didn't script those. Um, those we just kind of found on set. I really wanted to make it. Yeah. The actors be able to live it and feel it. And it's hard to do, especially when you work in a short film to have yeah. a little more play with, usually you have to follow the script kind of aggressively, especially when you work a short film because you don't have a lot of time for like, all right, let's do one for fun and see all that stuff like that. Right, yeah. But um, uh, my next question is, uh, did you ever, I mean, storyboards? Was there any storyboards involved? I don't work a whole lot in storyboards. Me and the um, director of photography, Abraham Howard, um, we went through and shot listed everything. Okay. Um, so yeah, definitely a, a shot list, some of which we ignored and threw out some of which, um, we really adhered to like the, the ones that we, um, really adhered to was, um, so the scenes where, uh, Jack imagines people that meant a lot to him, the cameras pushing in from behind on right. a smooth dolly track. Uh, later on, he's kind of imagining them, but in like a very painful way. And, you know, it's a smooth dolly back away from them. And then he later on remembers uh, a fight that he had with his brother Rodney. And, um, you know, my director of photography, Abe, was like, you know, what do we do? He's like, I want to do something with the dolly, but if we just pull out, we've kind of already done that. He's like, do we push back in this time? What, you know, what do we do? And uh, so I was, you know, I kind of thought about it and I was like, well, yeah, I kind of want to build on this whole dolly thing that he set up for me here. And, and then I remembered a shot from Knives Out where uh, when you find out that Marta um, has been given everything instead of the family in the will, um, she walks out of the house and there's a slow dolly in. And then right when everyone surrounds her, they literally yank the camera off the dolly and go handheld. And it starts looking like paparazzi footage almost. Yeah. So yeah. I, was, I was like, what if we mimic the height and the anxiety of like oh, the shock almost to it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what if we mimic that? I was like, I was like, what if we build? And so then we go and we dolly in. And then when like the fight actually starts, when it actually kicks in, we just yeah. pull it off and, and do handheld. And he goes, that's crazy. And I love it. <laughs> so it was probably, yeah. it was one of is maybe the scene that took the most takes just between um, 
Trevor Bunce, the other actor, and I kind of discovering the scene for ourselves and getting all the camera stuff right because that was definitely the most complicated shot we had. Handheld's tough to pick when you want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. either got to really lean into it for almost all of your film or uh, be very, very selective about how you do it. And, yeah, and, and I always treat it um, – sorry to interrupt you there. No, you Because I'm a drummer also, but I, mm-hmm. I feel like handheld is one of those – like it's a symbol that you don't use all the time. <laughs> yeah. But you have yeah. to find the right time to use it. It's not. It's almost like the crash symbol. You're not going to use the crash symbol all the time, but you want to use sure. the right time to hit it the right point. Yeah, Camera placements and opportunities is kind of a tricky thing to do, especially when you're making a short film because it could the wrong camera angle can pull you out. Oh yeah, and I mean, I was very lucky to get to get Abe on the project because you know, I mean, he's a big fan of Joe Para as well, so he kind of at least knew some of the groundwork that I was. <laughs> right. I, I was sort of like some influence that I was taking, but also oh, also when I when I was writing it, um, it was part of my senior thesis class at Pratt. And uh, so I was writing it and my professor, he, he kept being like, are you sure that you're not writing like a one man show, like a stage play? Like, yeah, you know, he, he, he felt he, like that. Yeah. He, he's just kind of like, I, you know, I, he, he goes, it can't be a guy talking to the camera for 10 minutes or however long it ends up being. He's like, you, you have to make this visually interesting and you have to make it necessary to film. And so that was definitely something that I was thinking about writing it. And then, you know, when I was picking a director of photography, I was like, you know, there's only so much I can do here. I need ideas to make sure that, um, you know, out of necessity, there's going to be times where he is talking to the camera. But I was like, it has to be different every time so that it never grows stale. Um, So that was definitely something that we thought about. And then, yeah, there's times where we ended up condensing some some shots down into, you know, just one like. There's a shot where he's by the door tying right. the shoes. I think we had maybe two or three shots that were supposed to exist in that scene, and we were like, no, <laughs> like, let's just stay here. Yeah, it, well, and I, I was going to ask my next question, but do you prefer prep that you have experience doing documentary? And yeah. I think that's, it helps because this feels like a documentary. This feels like you're witnessing as it happens. And I think that's kind of your aesthetic you're kind of pull, trying to pull off as well. That's that's sort of one of the goals just in general. And stylistically, this is a little bit different from stuff that I normally make because I usually sort of exist in like a neo-realist space or I try to. Yeah. And and this is a little bit more surreal. Yeah, um, you missed it, out in the early '70s. That was the thing, man. I know. Film it like it actually is happening, like the French Connection. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that's definitely, and and you know, I, I've sort of stolen the the line a little bit. For, uh, the director Derek C in France, who who did Blue Valentine, Place Beyond the Pines. Yeah. Um, he uh, calls himself a documentarian of fiction. <laughs> and so I, I've, yeah. I've sort of stolen that idea a little bit as, as I as I shoot stuff because I was like, well, a, a Gen X person like me, it's it's Billy Freakin, right? Because he was a docu, he did yeah. documentaries many before he actually did his first full feature film. Yeah, and that's why it feels like you're witnessing as it happened because he yeah. has that sense of like you have to. We're experiencing as it's happening real time. Yeah, my Joss go- has that a little bit, like you're feeling it as it's happening. Right? Yeah, I'm a, my go-to guy is definitely John Cassavetes as far as that goes because I yeah. mean that just you're, you feel like you're on the fly on the wall, and sometimes I mean especially on like opening night, you're like, should I even be a part of this? <laughs> like this this feels inside baseball that I shouldn't be privy to. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's just sort of an interesting thing, and, and I think it. Um, 
helps actors a lot too. Cause I mean, it, I was an actor first before I stepped behind the camera. Um, and so even like when I write and direct, like so much of it is focused on character and performance. Um, and I, I think, you know, I, I ask them to kind of exist as their character on camera, like do what you want off screen. Just don't be a jerk. Like don't do like Jared Leto stuff, <laughs> but uh, you know, like be kind to the cast and crew, but whatever you got to do, if you have to be, if I have to call you your character name off screen, whatever, like I'll do it. But right. yeah, um, I, I just want them to really be in the moment when we're rolling. So whatever they got to do to make that happen. I think it's crucial because, you don't want to spend all your time talking to your cinematographer all day long. Right. I mean, you want to have something to, you know, actors want to have a little bit of dialogue to look what you want and stuff like that. There's different approaches to yeah. characters. Like some of them just, where's my mark? And I'll say my lines to other ones. Like what's my backstory? What's doing that? Yeah. yeah. No, I'll, yeah. I'll spend as much or, you know, some, some actors really want to, you know, and I, I, I never give answers, which is frustrating for people that I work with. <laughs> I learned that to be a director. They want a yes or no. Not like, ah, maybe you went out. They were just like, yes. So, yeah. So yeah. I, I try to, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I don't do yes, no's, or maybes. I start asking questions that guide them to a place that makes us oh, both there you happy. Go. All right, all right. Um, that's kind of where I end up because I'm like, if I start asking questions, then we might yeah. come up with an idea that neither of us would have separately. That's better than um, what I would have said yeah, or I, what I you would have come up with. How would you? Because usually, like, what are we doing? And I was like, well, what do you think initially? What are you comfortable? What do you? What's your mark? What do you want to do? Yeah. Um, there's a beat change in here, so how do you want to prepare for that? You know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, everybody's different. It's not like one singular formula to communicate with on set with people. Right. And I mean, there are times where it's just quick director's note of let's tighten this up and and get to this right. place quicker. And you know, there, there's that kind of stuff for sure. But yeah, as far as like discovering characters or anything like that, it's it's very let's conversate and make this work because yeah. that's kind of what i'm focused on on set because as far as camera stuff goes yeah let's let's prep it in pre-production like let's make sure we're good to go um and of course if there's any issues director's got to be there to to help help get it solved but um i'm definitely not a video village type of director you'll never see me sitting back there i'm probably going to be no, I, I love movies, and I love making movies, but I have to find the right project to make for a movie. Yeah. I'm just not going to make a movie just to make a movie. Sure. I know a lot of people are out there who enjoy making movies just to make movies, but I want to find the right piece for me to do. Yeah. Because that's a hard commitment. It's a lot of things can go wrong. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you want to do it. My, my thing on film set is we don't know if this is going to be really good or really bad. I really don't know. We yeah. don't know. We really can try to make it one of the best things of all time. But most importantly, I want to make every, make sure everybody's safe, everybody's comfortable, and my God, we're gonna have to have fun. Yeah, I mean, we could do a lot of other horror. I mean, the, the content and all this stuff. And sometimes it has to be a little bit down, but let's enjoy that we get to be able to make a movie. Stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. I, yeah. You're really just kind of asking people to bring their A game, and uh, right. Yeah, when I'm like putting out a movie, it's sort of the thought of, man, I I hope people love this, like ideally, but all things created equal i'd rather people hate it than just kind of feel eh about it or forget about it oh yeah that's um, my it's uh, my critique about everything yeah you um and i talked about many on my on our youtube video you have to be 
unforgettable or you have to be memorable. Yeah. You want something that's completely one or the other. Great films are both. Yeah. I will always remember I saw The Wizard of Oz, right? Yes. I always remember that. But there's some movies that are just unforgettable, like you know, we talked about Infinity Pool. I'll never forget that I've seen that movie. There's a lot of traumatic things into it. I'm going to have to check that one yeah. out. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, I mean, yeah, there's some movies that just stick with you. And even movies, like there's yeah. very few movies that I hate. <laughs> but, like, even that, like, kind of but you provided something for me for the most part. But you don't forget that you've seen it. Right. right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, like, I, I just don't. Um, I don't want to waste people's time. And I mean, right now the movies I'm releasing, people aren't paying to see. So I don't have that responsibility. Um, it's more of like how you liked the 15 minutes that you spent watching buttons. Um, but you know, as, as I continue on my sort of filmmaking path and if I'm starting to release stuff that people are paying to see, right. I, I want it to be worth the, the price of admission. Do you, um, do you have a little place to write or are you the kind of person that can just write in a coffee shop and get it done? I usually don't go out to write. I usually, yeah, the the location hasn't mattered so much to me as I do mostly write to music. I usually really? have music playing when I'm writing. Um, and sometimes it's just like movie scores or, you know, something instrumental or like jazz music or, you know, something where I can kind of have it on the background and it can sort of, you know, fuel <laughs> right, like the, the be, vacuum of silence. Yeah, it, it, it can fuel me a little bit and and help me keep going. Maybe give me a little bit of a rhythm. But that, um, I at the end of last year finished up uh, the first draft to a feature, and that I was kind of queuing up specific songs, and not even with necessarily specific lyrics, but with certain feels to it. Okay, and that was kind of what was getting me going there. Because usually, if I hear like other words playing in the background it's just gonna kind of distract me and, and split my focus but for yeah. some reason that kind of got me in the zone on that one so so you're you have to kind of set up your own little hub whatever yeah. yeah yeah so if i you know when i was like uh when i was in college if i was you know in a, a workplace or a studio it's headphones in but i mean right now i'm in a studio apartment so i'm just blast <laughs> you know i'm just playing my music out loud and it doesn't even matter who you know and i can just start typing away and then all of a sudden realize it's 4 a.m. and be like, oh. <laughs> um, would you ever want to like do some other kind of writing for like a like novel or do you kind of just want to just focus on movies? I think, you know, picking a medium is just kind of crucial. Um, yeah. You know, and like I think even within film, it's like, you know, I, I did four three aspect ratio for buttons, and that was important. Or shooting it digitally or on film, that's important. So, uh, as far as like the actual medium, I pay a lot of attention to it. I think most of the ideas that I have right now, uh, I think just fit into the avenue of film. That's how I picture them. Okay. Um, but that being said, if like I have an idea that's a play or a novel or or, or something like that. I yeah. I'm down, but I I am definitely very like film centric and film focused as I as I kind of go. Okay, I am um, my friend, my previous guest, Peter Groyum. He's a script writer. He's a screenwriter, mm -hmm. and he I asked him that question about do you ever want to do a book, and he's like, God, I, no, I don't want to sit and describe <laughs> trees. <laughs> yeah, prose could be tough because I mean, yeah. when I'm writing a screenplay, the you know those sort of action sections and the description sections 
are so short. They're so, they're so bare bare yeah. minimum in my scripts because I'm just like, why describe the environment when we can kind of find a place and then let that yeah. place speak for itself? That's that's kind of my attitude towards it. But also at the same time, I've had people read my scripts and they're like, I don't know where we are. <laughs> so uh, it's definitely a, like yeah. something that I have to push please myself put, to. Please just put night or day on there, Elijah. Yeah, yeah. I really, yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of like where I end it. And then all of a sudden they're just like, I, yeah. please tell me like if there's chairs in the room or something. <laughs> and I, you know, so people have to push me forward on that one. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very like dialogue focused. Even with my, my characters, I go, Jack, man. And then I kind of leave it alone. I was like, we'll figure out what he looks like when we cast him, you know, because um, wh- what the character looks like matters a whole lot less to me is, uh, you know, if the actor can embody the character. And things I agree. Like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Also, like the pl- discovering, like maybe there's somebody Jack that didn't think about out there. Right. right. So, um, what's next for you after the buttons? Or I should ask, what is for buttons? I, we haven't got to that yet. Are we kicking around film festivals? I was, um, but I've decided to just kind of let this one uh, be for the people. Um, All right. And I decided that I think I want, you know, like when I start doing film festival stuff like that, to be maybe a little bit more indicative of my style. Because yeah. Buttons was a little bit of an outlier as far as things that, that I tend to make. Um, but, yeah, this one, I mean... Yeah, shot it two years ago now, so I was like, you know what, let's this one. It's time for it to be out there. So, right, enough um, of right. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things where I was like, if I hold on for this for too long, I'm not gonna. You gotta like kick it, it out anymore. of the nest. And it'll, you're right. Yeah, go go. Right. Um, perfect. So my next question for you: What's what's next for you? What's up? Yeah, got a few scripts I'm working on right now. Okay. Um, couple of shorts that I'd like to shoot. Um. Well, I outlined one short last night that I might get going on, but um, yeah, I'll just kind of be working on scripts and see what jumps out at me first. But um, perfect. Yeah, so so some short, hopefully shooting within the next year or so. Wonderful. Get that going. I love it. All right, um, we're gonna take a little break and back more with Elijah. Hey, welcome to the last comic shop podcast, a comic book podcast that actually talks about comics. Yep, each week we open the shop up and read and discuss a comic. Sometimes we pair that up with comic book movies or TV shows. Or not. Lots of times it's just comic books and sound effects. Oh, yes. Definitely lots of sound effects. So tune in on all the major podcasting platforms to the Last Comic Shop Podcast. Or check out our library of evergreen shows at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Welcome back. And now more with the show. So, Elijah, we're talking about kind of the film theory and um, kind of like understanding different ways. But you, before we started, like, I love to bore the hell out of people with my movies. I love boring movies. And also, so, I mean, like, that's the, you know, like, so. So you really love the beginning of Stalker from yeah, Tarkovsky. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I hated Gene Dealman the first time I watched it. But the more I thought about it, I was like, I love what this movie does. 
And then I watched it again, and I was like, okay, I actually do love this movie. But cause Jim Jarmusch does that. I think he tries to bore the hell out of you. Yeah, I had a I had a writing professor, uh, Bill Gullo, uh, great writer, great guy. Um, he I had him for a writing class, and, and one thing that he liked about me was, you know, so much writers' rooms or writing classes, you know, you're heightening stuff, right? You know, how do you make this right? Where's the exaggeration? Right, yeah. bigger impact. How do you make it more dramatic? How do you do more? And I was like, what if we do less? Like every single time, that was always my note of just pulling back and pulling back and pulling back, so that it's no longer this big thing and it's just kind of this small you know poignant thing and like i love um an anti-climax as like a literary device yeah um because when that pulls off it ends up being thematically more uh impactful for me i feel like you know we're talking about movies from last year and you brought up because we talked about it on our um, youtube channel count dick in a film um win wenders uh perfect day Mm mm-hmm which I now I get why you love that movie. Yep, yeah, yeah, it would bore everybody to tears. But I understand there's he's trying to convey there's beauty in the monotony yeah. of life. Yeah, like because yeah. it pays attention to every single little detail. Which watching uh, somebody clean a toilet, yeah, toilets, right? Yeah. And I mean that's the thing about like, and it makes me a little bit hypocritical because when I'm reading, if I'm reading someone who's very detailed with their prose they're gonna lose me (laughs) but you know if i'm watching a movie and they're paying attention to all these little things that become significant because uh the filmmakers decided that it is i'm just i'm locked in it's kind of flips it on the head that perfect day is where all of a sudden you have a all right the story's starting but you feel bad oh it's breaking up the monotony yeah he's trying to want to go just go back to having a job and a single apartment of very still Right. And I then mean, all of a sudden you get a little bit of a story and it's like the interruption of a perfect day. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's the beauty of Jean Dealman is the first two hours are just <laughs> her routine for like two separate days. And then finally, like two hours in, she burns her eggs, which I mean, you you tell someone that happens at the beginning of the movie and they're still not interested. If you tell someone they have to wait two hours for it, um, they won't you know, get it. But when it happens in the movie, you go, oh, wait, this is a big deal because she hasn't done this before. But, uh, yeah, so I love when things get pulled back or when things... Uh, yeah, you, I definitely sense a lot of, like, Wim Benders and with and your, a lot of um, inspirations from that. Yeah, or even, like, uh, you know, like the, the comic series Fables, I feel like, did a lot of anti-climax in a way. Like, you kind of expected it to be these big action set pieces and then just kind of... Whimpers out. Yeah, whimpers out in, like, these really interesting ways. Uh, Hunter Hunter, the manga anime Hunter Hunter, it's, like, always an anti-climax. It never goes where you think it's going to go. And I always love experiencing media where... Um, you break up the formula a little bit. Yeah, and it, I think it just always ends up being a little bit more relatable. Because, like, when you think about songwriting as far as lyrics go i think sometimes songs fail because they're so general and i think there's a lot of re like relatability and specificity and i think that's part of why i like sort of the mundane stuff in movies because it's you know in perfect days you're watching someone clean a toilet and and you can get that you know if i'm watching captain america hit someone with a shield i don't quite get it it's it's sort of the character moments in between all those action scenes where you can kind of be like, okay, I can get on yeah. on board with these people. But um, well, I, the next thing I always talk about a lot of people that are inspired to want to do movies and stuff, and I, 
it's always you're searching for your authentic self. That's my kind of thing. You, a lot of other people teach out different avenues. But I think every character, every protagonist, even the antagonist, they're searching for their authentic self, whether you right. want to or not. Jack's searching for his authentic self. He's trying to get away from addiction to find out kind of who he is, and his that addiction's getting in the way. It's interrupting his yeah. hero, yeah. his story. Um, just like in Perfect Days, <laughs> it's the all of a sudden this dramatic thing, that melodramatic thing is happening in life, and he just wants to go back to being an ordinary person. But yeah, flipping it on its head, searching for your authentic self, but also it's some way of how you break out of your traps. Yeah. I think every story, Elijah trying to, um, um, with your Jack character, is trying to break out of his confinements. Really, every story that you, every movie you can talk about can be yeah. called Trapped. True, true. Yeah. I, I also sort of, uh, I sort of uh, consider every story, regardless of medium, I kind of think of every story as a love story in yeah. certain sense. I think it's it's just love or the lack of it. Like Bottoms, I think Jack is trying to he's trying to find the love for life. Yeah, and, and he's kind of trying to find the love for himself too. Yeah. And yeah. he he thinks he needs it externally. Like he needs to get um the approval of his brother and his former best friend before he can yeah. really start to live again. And kinda of at the end in, in that's sort of where I wanted the audience to be a participator is um, he has them with him the whole time and the way that they just kind of stick with him. He's like, okay, someone's sticking with me. There must be something to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he kind of gets the confidence to text his brother, his brother texts him back. We don't know what it says. You know, it could be leave me alone. I never want to hear from you again. Or it could be, it could be let's talk and, and see what's up. But um, either way, he accepted himself and was brave enough to do that because um, someone paid attention to him for a day, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm worth spending time with. Um, whether these people want to spend time with me again, I'm I'm okay to be around." So um, that was a fun thing to write, um, and it, it's sort of an ambiguous ending, but. Um, I did want the movie to end on sort of a hopeful note for sure because I think a lot of addiction stories end up being, or sobriety stories, either, either one, they kind of end up being downers a little bit. Right, yeah. But also tone and theme never have to mix. I right. always want to emphasize the tone and theme never has to mix. You have a really a, really a bright film, bright yeah. color, but the and you got a little, little hope at the end, but a lot of it is kind of understanding that this is not it. <laughs> right. It's not all going to be happy notes along the way. Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 movies that I think are feel good have yeah. some of like the most tough scenes to watch because I, I just don't think you can have um, like that that feeling of accomplishment doesn't mean that much if you don't address how hard it gets. You know, like Forrest Gump, it gets tough, but like it, it stays kind of fluffy for even the tough stuff for me yeah. personally. Um, Very melodramatic. Yeah, but you know, like. You know, um, Moonlight. You know, you get to you see how tough things are are for the main character, and and so when um, he has any moments of well, yeah, it's but it's the right placement for camera throughout the whole movie. <laughs> I mean, even when uh, he's in the ocean with um, the father figure, yeah, Marshall Lee's character, but the camera's in the water. I yeah, he's halfway submerged, so you have that sense of like I'm. I'm, it, this feels uncomfortable. Like, yeah. 
Well, yeah, I, I, the I, danger of it, like, please rescue me. Yeah, almost. and the whole movie just does a great job of it's like it is his experience. Everything you see, you're like, this is how he's feeling about this. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty amazing thing. I, I think that's just a perfect movie. That's a movie that I've watched. There's many no bang times. bang shoot him up pow pow everything. It's, it's, <laughs> right. It's 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 hard to convince people that the subtleties of it, because it's not a subtle movie, but it loves the subtleties of the little moments of life that make a big deal. Yeah. That also, you know, I've seen it at least 10 times and I think there's like a new thing that stands out to me every, every time. Uh, I watched it for the best class I took in college was called philosophy through film. Sure. And every week, um, the professor Scott Shushin would, uh, uh, pick a movie and some sort of philosophical writing and they'd be paired together on our own for homework, we would read it and then we'd watch the movie in class. We would go over the reading, you know, kind of unpack it, make sure everyone uh, was understanding it and dissecting it well. And then the second uh, half of the class, we would end up sort of applying that to the film. And so I'd seen most of the films before that class, but given the readings, it felt like I was watching them all for the first time, (laughs) which was super cool, especially for, for Moonlight, which was, I mean, it's one of my favorite movies of all time and uh we read about moral luck aside like besides it and uh it just really kind of added to 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 my perspective of of the film and yeah, that, really had a lot of texture in it. that movie had a lot of texture to it doing it yeah i loved it yeah aesthetically it just knocks it out yeah, yeah it's just a yeah just a beautiful movie great performances the script is yeah it's just i don't have any complaints with the film yeah yeah I think a lot of people from last year had a lot of blowback from Maestro because it seemed to look for Academy Awards. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. the biggest Maestro fan. I will say the but it's, scene... It's on the right notes to want to get the accolades, and I think that's what people get the blowback from. Yeah, it, yeah. it didn't... It kind of fell into that... For me, it fell into the biopic thing of... It went over a lot without really diving in deep and getting to the heart of much. Yeah. Um. The, and like you saw a lot of potential there, like the scene, uh, with the Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day parade in the background, that was fascinating. And I was, and if the whole movie had been more like that, and maybe a little bit more focused, I do like the black and white stage scene. That was shot really well. It felt almost like uh, yeah. the, my movie, another movie I loved a couple of years ago, Coldplay from Poland, mm. Cold War, Cold War, Cold War from Poland. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that very much black and white. There's a lot of it. It's happening now my god poor things did it where it's a mixture of black and white yeah then we go to color oppenheimer did that too and i think that's kind of the new f- fad i don't know if it's going to stay but kind of yeah, doing we'll both be... or the other of just kind of and not just using black and white as this has happened in the past but kind of oh all right now we're going to merge black and white yeah. yeah and each of those movies used it pretty differently so there's a lot of different ways that you can go about it i don't think the switch was as impactful as Maestro as those other two. Like, Poor Things and Oppenheimer were both in my top ten of last year. Yeah. For sure, but... Uh, oh, yeah, Poor Things is number two. That was number two for you? Yeah, yeah. That, fair enough, because that was... Uh, I mean, I, Yorgos Lanthimos is just a fun director. I just love going to the theater to. to see his movies and people not knowing what they're gonna <laughs> be getting into when they see a Lanthimos movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder what, like, the... What, what would be the the entry level Yorgos Lanthimos movie like killing of a sacred deer maybe 
But I mean, I recommend. But right, I just went to see that in a the movie theater, and that starts with an open heart surgery. Like, boom, doesn't yeah. even give you a warning. Like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and even yeah. that. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, my favorite is still the lobster, which is so off. It's just, just bizarre, a but I love the movie. I love the the whole aesthetic to it. I love the concept of if you don't have find a merry partner, you're gonna turn into an animal. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it just takes a lobster. The way they go, yeah, it's just it's just fascinating i mean there's so many cool directors to pay attention to these days but uh yeah yorgos lanthimos is definitely one of them but um i mean that's the cool thing about like filmmaking is um and it was kind of the cool thing about film school too is just how different everyone's styles are like i'll never make a movie that feels like a yorgos lanthimos movie and I, i don't want to um, I don't want him to be in his world that he showed. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it's it's just sort of like that's not naturally where I'm gonna go. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's just a lot of movies where I'm like I couldn't make that, and uh, I you know I'm but I'm glad someone did, and you know it might be a movie that I love. I'm or, a grunge or, teenage. You know, when I was a teenager in the grunge, my yeah. my, my stories are not gonna really have all happy endings. Okay, <laughs> okay. And that's where I like to I like to wallow in the misery. Sure. I, I'm definitely, I think, uh, I think just about everything I've ever made probably sits in like that bittersweet pocket. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, yeah, like I said, I, I, I usually, I'm very like neorealism, uh, focused. Yeah. So I think that's where you're comfortable, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, and, and that's just sort of what feels right to me. Cause you know, uh, th- that was sort of one of the benefits of, um, you know, being able to make so much in film school because some film schools you don't get hands on until later. Um, but that was a cool thing about Pratt is I got to kind of just start making stuff right away. And anytime I made something where I started with a metaphor or started with like a message that I wanted to get across, it never turned out oh, God. well. Yeah. It was never good. It always ended up feeling sort of forced or artificial or just, you know, kind of like it was trying too hard. But anytime, when I write, I have to have a premise. Uh, I have to have my characters and understanding of what they are. And then I usually don't plot things out a ton before my first draft, or I prefer not to, because then I can just write and See I can kind of figure out that the the plot is just consequences of what these characters are choosing to do or say. Um, and so, like, yeah, like the metaphor with the buttons and the zippers in buttons, it just happened because... I knew Jack would think about that and, and yeah. it just kind of happened organically. So um, some people can go in and, and they have all these visual metaphors they want to do and they could piece them together and it's beautiful and it's like a tapestry. Uh, if I do it, it just doesn't work. I think mine probably be, I have to confess it's a little more accidental than on purpose. Sure. If I want to explain something, I, I like to be a little more blunt. Sure. With my stuff, and I think buttons, especially with the title, you like to be a little more out there. But it's, it's you're you're pulling back a little bit. It's not just boom, there it is. Yeah, yeah. You want, I, a, you want a little bit more tangible, I would say. From that yeah, I like to you know, uh, even if there's a film that I don't like that I've made, um, I always hope you know, I always hope that people feel like it's honest and genuine. Um, there was a film that I never released that I got that feedback, and I was like, cool. I still don't think I pulled it off. <laughs> you know, I, I still don't think it, it came together. But, uh, you know, if okay. if it feels like it's coming from a genuine place, then I know that on some level it was successful. 
Um, you know, if it, if it wasn't successful, that it was like, oh, maybe I'm just not, you know, at the time I wasn't ready to tell the story I was trying to tell or, sure. um, or I, I needed to just spend a little bit more time with it in the script, you know, script stage or, or whatever it was. But, uh, yeah, if the film feels genuine, then people will accept almost anything. I could throw some crazy, fantastical, Yorgos Lanthimos type stuff on screen. Um, if it feels genuine, I think people will get on board with it pretty fast. And I sort of counted on that and relied on that with buttons for them to be like, oh, he's talking to me. That's inherently reminding someone that they're watching a movie, which most filmmakers are hoping that people are forgetting. Um, so I needed the film to rem- like remind them in the first minute of the film that they're watching a movie, but also be heartfelt and genuine enough for them to be on board and then kind of just fall into it. Um, right. I really, after watching it, I really felt the authenticity of Jack. And I think he mm-hmm. hit the right strokes of just, and the right keys of just feeling an authentic, real person Thank struggling you. with addictions. And not just an exaggerated, like, let's show him with the needle in the arm. Let's show yeah. with the tracks on the arm. Let's show kind of not so much the aesthetics of somebody with addictions, but let's show that these He's kind of like we already explained before. Not really. He wants to be the hero of other people's story rather than himself. Rather focus on that. Yeah, and yeah. that was like a interesting thing during the screenwriting is um, the fight scene, and then the scene where he comes across um, the the unconscious person in in the alley. Um, those weren't in the first couple of drafts. Okay. Um, and people kept pushing me to either the ideas that kept getting thrown at me was have Jack relapse or um, have hit him be dishonest about how long he's been sober. And both of those things, I was like, no, <laughs> I, was, I was like relapse. Absolutely not. I won't even entertain that thought. And then the him lying about his sobriety. I was like, OK, that's interesting. That feels wrong. But let me think about it. You know, you have to be yeah. willing to kill your darlings. And so. I, I thought about it and, uh, you know, I, I, I was like, that's just not what his story is. He's, he's struggling a year in and I think that's important. And so I had to think about it. And so, um, the temptation of him relapsing exists in the movie. And I was like, that feels accurate. That feels honest. That feels sort of how it should be. And then, um, my professor had mentioned, um, you know, as far as like they're feeling like there's a little bit more conflict going on. He goes, well, he goes, what if you talk about the nostalgia a little bit? You know, and that, that's sort of where the scene where he talks about um, missing heroin uh, sort of came into play. So um, and that just kind of helped build him up into a, a fuller character. So, um, yeah, it's definitely uh, a mix between you know finding the note within the note and uh sticking by your guns and you gotta try to find that balance but uh yeah i mean that's that's the cool thing about film is it's, it's so collaborative and, and no one can really do it on their own or if you do i think you're missing out on a lot but yeah. uh at the most i've ever heard anybody the least amount i've ever heard it was um three people i know one person who did a film on their own, but it was a pandemic project. So, right. um, is, it was sort of, well, it was sort of a self-imposed limit. 
plus yeah. uh you know you know uh health thing but uh and it ended up being pretty cool but uh, uh and it was about isolation so it kind of kind of worked perfect perfect <laughs> yeah if you do a film about anything yeah, other than isolation perfect. get a crew <laughs> yeah, yeah. um elijah thanks for coming on your show man thanks for having me this, this is wonderful a- yeah we have to come back and just talk movies yeah some other time yeah, yeah. I'm or totally maybe you, you have to get your own show, and then you can. I would love to hear your more <laughs> talk about movies. Oh man, I, yeah. Who who knows if I'd ever stop recording if I started talking <laughs> about movies? I think I need someone to say, "Okay, enough." <laughs> All right. Well, th- once again, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking about your movies, buttons, and um, you know, pro- yeah, um, new projects. Just l- come on, uh, come on back and talk about movies. Elijah, thanks for coming on, and it's not over till the guest says it's over. Guys, it's over. Ah, there we go. Kiss me.